everybody, this is uh, Eva Bjornsson from Enslaved, and you're now listening to the podcast. back to another episode of the broadcast i'm your host dario and as you just heard uh we have a guest calling from norway today and that is ivar from enslaved hi ivar how are you doing i'm doing very well thank you how are you doing you okay yes thank you i'm uh just uh, uh f- i just finished my second uh, listen to the new enslaved album utgard and uh I'm super excited b- about this release and of course we want to talk about this album in this episode. Um it is the 15th yeah. um enslaved album. Yeah. And it now that 2020 slowly but surely uh hopefully reaches its end and 2021 <laughs> might be better in 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 a lot of aspects. Um 2020 is amazing uh when it comes to really really a lot of great new prog music um but 2021 is not far away and if i'm informed correctly enslaved was formed in 1991 so um it's the 15th album and soon it will be the 30th anniversary of enslaved when you formed the band back then with grutle um did you ever think you will make it this far? Oh, absolutely not. Uh, but on the other hand, we didn't didn't think that we would make it that far. It was just we never had that perspective, man. Everything was about uh, the next rehearsal, about the new song that we we're working on, or uh, saving up money for a special pedal that I wanted, or something like that. There was everything was just focused on the band the entire time. Um, and um, I, I guess it took some years before we realized, like, whoa, we've been we've been doing this for a while now. And um, I, for me personally, I have to say that not until the 25th anniversary in 2016 did I, I think I really realized how long we've been going on. Until then, it's just be fe- been feeling like another day, you know. You don't want to think where I am, like where I'm going to be in five years, that's that's what stuff do, what people do when they work in the advertisement business, not in, uh, in the arts. Yeah. Uh, coincidentally, I uh, saw you guys for the very first time on that very 25th anniversary tour in 2016 here in Munich. Um, I was not that familiar with uh, the back catalog of the, the huge back catalog already. Of course, I knew you guys from Reputation, and um, now that I'm also since 2016, actually, that was like a turning point in my personal like music life. As I was uh, before, I was not that much into the extremer side of metal. Um, but yeah, now now I'm happy that to know you the music of enslaved and i ha- have this kind of music in my life as well uh so mm. let's talk about the new album utgard as uh, we already established is the 15th enslaved album it's out on october the 2nd and that is also the day this episode will drop um, perfect it is the first album to feature a new drummer in your lineup 
yeah. uh, with uh, Kato Beckewald and the second album with a relatively new guy on the keyboard and clean vocals um, with Hakon Vinje. Uh, yeah. So uh, uh, has there been any uh, any differences in to to the, to making this album to to the previous uh, album production and and writing? Um, phases yeah you know on the, like the basic uh, stops are uh, are quite traditional in Indian slave sense I still write the, the music uh, on my own and then when I have what I feel is the structure for a song um, I, I try to demo it and, and not not I don't try to not overdo it you know like there's no point in trying to make the drum machine sound like a real drummer and make all kinds of interesting things happen it's just a show, you know, it's a six, six by eight, or if it's a seven by eight or whatever, to illustrate sort of the tempo and, and the vibe, or the, if there's a contrast to be made, I want to illustrate that, like typical, it's like slow drums, fast guitar, that kind of stuff. Uh, but but I, I, I demo that, and send it to the guys, and then they start working on the vocals. And that was really important this time, because there was such a motivated bunch of uh, singers with Eva coming in, and working with Jutle and also Håkon. So it has been, I think what we realized, and this is this is nothing bad about like the, the previous members at all, you know, we're still very good friends, but both Halbon, the, the previous sing, clean singer, keyboardist, and Kato, the ex-drummer, the, the reason for leaving the band was the same, is that they both had a feeling that they'd been doing it for too long, you know? They were approaching 50, and when you're approaching 50, you can either think, that I found the thing in my life. I want to be an, an old guy looking like, my my ambition is to be, you know, get a beard like um, Billy Gibbons from CC Top and uh, a haircut like Gollum from Lord of the Rings uh, and still I'm, do what I do. I'm, I'm joining you there. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, but some people feel that, okay, now is probably the last chance to do something else. And that's what both Halbon and, and Kato were feeling. Like, they didn't want to travel anymore. They want to, you know, spend more time with family, uh, cultivate some hobbies, blah blah. You know, it's it's, it's uh, you have to accept and respect that that for some people it can actually be very tempting to go back to a nine to four um, career. Um, and I think we noticed that now that it's probably been quite uh, hard on them because we this this when we have. Eva and Håkon, who are very much decided on this, is what they want to do forever. Håkon is crazy, man. He's what he's born in 92, one year after the band was started. <laughs> when he was eight years old, he told his father that he pointed at John Lords on the television for some concert, said, I want to be like that guy when I grow up. <laughs> like, who does that? Um, wow. And Eva, Eva is a professional uh, record producer, um, yeah, you've been working with him before, uh, actually, right? He, he, yes. He already worked uh, on the production of the previous album, right? Yes, since 2010 he's been involved. So oh, wow. now every everyone like was really in the same tempo, and that just made everything... Uh, it was so easy for me to write the music, because I felt so inspired by being a part of, of, of this band. That was an extremely long way of saying that um, these new guys bring inspiration 
Sounds great. And you, you, you especially mentioned the work on the vocals and uh, it, it shows from the very first second as the first song, uh, Fire, Fires in the Dark. Mm. Yes. Uh, starts with an uh, a cappella section, actually. Um, yeah. Will you be doing that live as well, just like that? Uh, yeah, I think I think we uh, want to do that. We've been doing it uh, a few times, like when we were rehearsing, and then all of a sudden we're jamming a little bit, and and then uh, we, we 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 try to do that, and it still works. It's it's still, it's a miracle because it was at the end of the the last recording session, the last recording day. We have this tradition, we go to Gluttle, the singer's place, we bring Eva's mobile studio, and then we try out all the crazy ideas that we didn't do in the, like in the serious studio, in a sense. And that b makes a lot of great effects, a lot of great um, leads and stuff that, because it's a little bit more informal, you know? Um, and, and when we were finished, we were like, okay, that's it. And then Eva said, we should do one more thing. We should do uh, an opening for, for the album, uh, a cappella. Uh, and we said, okay, we try me and Arve, the other guitarist. We're the only two guys who doesn't really sing. Um, so we said, are you sure you want to have us too? Uh, and they, yes, just give it a try. And we did that in one take. And and uh, I still can't figure out how we managed to do wow. that's uh, do clean notes. That's impressive. Uh, but it works. It works perfectly. Um, Tying tying in, let's go from the from the beginning to the end of the album. I, I, what what uh, struck me really was the last two songs, uh, that is the more or less title track, of course, "Storms of Ugard," and then "Distant Seasons." Uh, in both songs, towards the end, there's like some super amazing uh, uh, guitar solos, I guess, oh, yeah. from 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 Arve. Uh, or who oh yeah, yeah. Um, so Arve is the is the 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 second longest serving enslaved member apart from Grutle and you, of course. Um, mm. So, I he, he joined 18 years ago. So his his membership in the band is has now reached adulthood. <laughs> yeah, and nobody can call him the new guy for sure. No, he's. Um, He's definitely very much part of the, the fabric of Enslaved and, and we would never be where we are in terms of, of um, d developing the sound without him. He's, he's one of my favorite lead guitarists, like not like not uh, like a, because he's a friend and, and he's a cool guy, but, but the, like from, the, from his, um, uh, the feeling he has on the notes and, and uh, I respect that so much that he, he has the th he has the technical abilities. When the rest of us was playing uh, Smoke on the Water uh, in the rehearsal rooms, he, he quit school at some point just so he can stay at home all day and practice the scales and the quick fingers, you know. So he's really sacrificed a lot to get there. But he still, he knows when to do that and when to just pull like one note, a long one and bend it and, and feel it. And uh, he's, he's got a diversity that uh, that is insane from jazz to uh, uh, black metal and uh, and all the way back to experimental music. He has a new band now called Drott, which sounds like uh, Quentin Tarantino meets a folk band and then they smoke crack. So that's <laughs> going to be a really interesting one. <laughs> do, do they have some music out already? 
No, they're about to release their first EP, which is going to be right after Christmas, and that. Okay, I'm uh, I'm I'm gonna uh, keep keep uh, my eyes peeled for that. That sounds super intriguing. Um, yeah, otherwise I would have put something into the playlist, uh, <laughs> into yeah. the accompanying playlist to this episode. Uh, one one last oh, thing oh about the music on Utgard, uh, the I think it was the was the third single. Um, Please help me with the pronunciation. Urjotun. Yeah. Hey, that sounded pretty Norwegian, man. Thank you. <laughs> so um, that I I found this song in particular very very interesting from a compositional standpoint, as it has this psychedelic intro going on for a couple of minutes, and then suddenly mm. there's this big change, and it gets really really dark with the vocals. Um, where where did this where where do you get the inspiration from like, like uh yeah uh not uh, taking the standard uh songwriting paths but yeah doing something different actually something progressive if you want <laughs> yeah a lot of the inspiration for that song comes from um, yeah where you're at from germany um okay it's it's um, what people call it krautrock. I really prefer the, the the German term, which was kos, kosmische music or whatever they call it. Yeah, uh, cosmic. That that's what it is for me. It, it reminds me more of, of the cosmic music than of of kraut. Um, and we're really big fans of the pioneers from the seventies, um, the sequencer heroes, um, Klaus Schulz, um, Tangerine Dream. Edgar Fraser, all those guys, um, and and also there's a lot of a lot of important artists like um, you can hear on, on that second part when everything goes drops down and becomes dark. Grutley singing and he's going into some kind of weird uh, almost David Bowie-ish thing that is I think is we're inspired by Bowie's German period when he was working with Brian Eno and doing that sort of more industrial uh, thing. So. And of course, Kraftwerk is part of it with, with the whole sort of repetitive pattern. Um, for, for me, when I wrote the song, it was, the, I think it's the first time that I've written something where you have one constant and then you write sort of different uh, pieces to accompany that. So you have this, the sequencer pattern that's running all the way through the song. And it um, it's kind of hard to hear it in the mix because there's so many elements, but it really changes the, it's the same pattern still being repeat, repeated, but in contrast with that new sounding riff, which you correctly described as, as quite uh, dark, it sounds very different. And like, a, like, a, this, like an audio illusion almost that I find really interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I will try to, to uh, hear that uh, underlying synth pattern next next time I listen to to the album. Um, <laughs> actually, you mentioned Kraftwerk and and Tangerine Dream and Klaus Schulze, all these uh, uh, pioneers, and that that reminded me of uh, one of uh, my favorite albums of this year so far um, and I never expected it would become that because I I had the um, opportunity to 
uh, interview the drummer of a Swedish band, Jösta Berlingsaga, um, Alex mm. Schäpp. And uh, the first time I listened to their new album, Concrete Music, <laughs> I, mm. I, I didn't really find a way into the music. And because I knew I had the interview coming up, I tried to, to get into it. And then like, I kept listening and I kept listening. And at one point I couldn't stop listening because <laughs> it had grabbed me. And, and it, uh, yeah, it's, it's, at one point I was kind of <laughs> becoming addicted to, the, to this kind of very repetitive um, style that you were describing. Yeah. And there's also a lot of interesting things in um, another, it's not that obvious the influence, but in in, uh, in, in near minimalistic classical music, uh, Philip Glass and, and Steve Reich, especially uh, Steve Reich's uh, music for 18 musicians. Mm -hmm. It's really incredible to, to uh, listen to how they, how, how they compose and how they write using repetition. Uh, it's really fascinating. I, I had no idea uh, that that was sort of a, 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 a skill or a, a class of, of music on its own. I was Philip Glass was here in, in town a couple of years ago, and I went and saw the, um, the opening concert of a classical festival where, where they were playing his piece, wow. and the local symphony orchestra were playing Philip Glass music. Normally they sound impressive, but I have to say this is the first time they sounded like crap because they really couldn't do that. Keep his, you know, the oscillates, yeah. uh, the four notes just or five sometimes just to make it uneven, to keep that in a perfect loop with small adjustments to the dynamics up and down over a period of 20, maybe 30 minutes. Yeah. No chance. No chance. <laughs> Um, that, that's actually a very good recommendation. Um, right now, I, I really want to go back and revisit some of Phil Glass, uh, Phil Glass's work. There's especially one that I have a, like an LP box from my parents, um, which is the opera Akhenaten, uh, which is oh. uh, which kind of was, which I discovered as a child. Away before I I got into Koyanis Katsi and all that, so yeah, I, I'm gonna go back to listening to it a little bit. Phil uh, Glass later, I guess, and um, yeah, we can also add some to the playlist maybe. Um, going back to enslaved music, I um, mean, we were talking about the music on Utgard uh, uh, already, and but with enslaved, it's always always so intriguing. Uh, that you guys uh, are having these influences from Norse mythology. And uh, so why don't you enlighten us a little bit what uh, topically, what, what uh, Utgard is all about? Yeah, uh, I think you can see this too. too um, or normally we operate with with uh, three layers. So you have the surface one, which is the literally literal quality of it, right? Which is basically the same way as as any other lyric or poem or uh, whatever. You don't have to, you know. You can still. I think it's still well written in in the sense that it's it's musical language and it's it's it's. Um, 
uh, and it's sung very well by the by the singers. And then you can go and look at what the story, what what is the story, what is the concept. And this is a particular part of Norse mythology uh, that is not that uh, well known. Not it's it's not become part of the mainstream narrative yet. It's very popular with with the Norse gods and and everything and uh, with the Marvel movies. This is we all know Os, Asgard, the home of the gods, where Odin, Thor, and all those classics live, yeah. um, and where the dead warriors go, you know, the brave ones and so on. Um, they there's a wall around Asgard. And, that was built, which was coincidentally uh, the topic for our previous album, E, uh, was had a lot to do with that particular part of the mythology. On They built this um, defensive fence around the entire Asgard because they were very worried about the inhabitants of Utgard uh, would, would uh, make some kind of attack against Asgard because the, the problem there, the tension between the gods and the giants, the giants are primeval beings. They're the first ones in the creational myths of Norse mythology. They're very powerful um, and have various, you know, as in any mythology, magical abilities, magical weapons, all that. But they can't really be, be uh, controlled or manipulated like the gods can do with, yeah, for instance, humans and so on. Because the giants were where they before the gods. They have their um, very ancient creatures and, and chaotic and controllable. Um, and that's when you approach the third layer, which I guess we are inspired a lot by, by Swiss psychologist Carl Jung, uh, using these parts of mythology where uh, Utgard becomes sort of a, a very potent metaphor for the unconscious. Oh. Where you you can, it's has a lot of resources. It's a fantastic source of creativity, of humor, um, surprises, um, and, and, and some very beautiful things like, like our dreams sometimes when they're at their most beautiful. That's, just, that's the language of, of the unconscious. But it can't really be controlled. You can't really like tell yourself, I want to dream about uh, this and this tonight. I want to dream that I'm the keyboard player in uh, Deep Purple and my name is John Lord. That's not that's not how it works. You uh, and that's some of what this album is about. It's going out of the ordered and the safe zone and traveling into this land where things are more uncertain and and, and shadowy to sort of get the a, a more integrated whole in a sense where we're where both once chaotic um, disorganized but creative and 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 also um, exciting uh, part is integrated with the rash rational uh, conscious side okay that, that was uh, that was super super interesting i uh, uh somehow didn't expect that that third layer and but but it's yeah super super intriguing um i'm looking forward to to diving into the lyrics as well hmm. um yeah that that was the album so to speak um let's talk about what happened this year i mean this year is very very special and weird 
And uh, you guys were actually one of the first of the bigger <laughs> bands um, that uh, back in April, on April 1st, actually, if I recall right, uh, you had a big streaming, li live streaming concert event uh, from the Ferftet Online Music Festival. Uh, yeah. I think it was from Bergen, right? From, yeah. From this your hometown. This is our hometown. Yeah. Okay. So and that was, but that was not. Uh, th that didn't remain the the only um, event of this sort. You actually did a cinematic summer tour um, mm. with three very different concepts. Maybe you, you wanna uh, tell us what what these three different concepts were and and how you came up with them. Yeah, the cinematic summer tour was an idea that came about very shortly after the Vasta online festival, which was more coincidental. They wanted uh, 12 Bergen bands to be doing that festival. Uh, it was uh, a big, big happening, and we were asked because we're known to say yes to things that some other people need time to think about. We like to dive in and then, then check the waters once we're already in it. Um, but after, it was such a positive experience and we really saw, hey, there is actually, it might not be the same as a live concert, but this is pretty damn close. We were communicating with people, they were sending photos of themselves watching the gig, blah, blah, blah. So we got to do something. And then we came up with this uh, cinematic summer tour. The first one was a collaboration with Roadburn Festival in, um, in the Netherlands. Uh, and we wanted to honor the fans that have been supporting us so heavily through this year with the new album being po postponed and people are like, yeah, no problem, We're, we'll be ready for it when it comes. So we asked them to vote for which songs they wanted to hear, uh, which was a bit scary, but it ended up with pretty much exactly the exact same list as we would have voted ourselves, which was incredible. And we played the first, the top seven voted for songs. Those were the ones we played. And then we did uh, a month later in collaboration with Beyond the Gates Festival here in Bergen, which is a bit more of a uh, extreme metal festival. Uh, we did the entire Below the Lights album from 2003, uh, even including Dexter guitarist that we had with us in the studio, um, which was it was really awesome because that that is except from the last of we always love our last album the most. But except from that, Below the Lights will, I think, always be my favorite because it's such a special moment in Enslaved's history when we just like, <clears throat> take, like uh, lose the last of the shackles that we felt we had to, you know, adhere to some, to, uh, some rules about how things should sound. We're just like, fuck it, we're going to play whatever we want. <laughs> and, that's what it, and it sounded great. So that was a special concert. And then... Yesterday, um, the day before release, we did a release party where we played uh, half the new album and did a bunch of other weird stuff. That uh, super cool concept and and great that uh, it was yeah in collaboration with these festivals that were not uh, supposed to take place. Uh, uh, this year, unfortunately, I would have been at Summer Breeze. Of course, it's not far from here. 
and I mm. was there the last two years. Actually, last year I was there also with my recording equipment and did interviews with a couple of uh, prog bands playing there. Uh, so we might have met there maybe next year then. Um, fingers crossed you guys have plans already um, for, for actual live gigs. We have a lot of plans, uh, but we're going to be, I think we all learned a lesson from the beginning of this uh, pandemic, pandemic when everybody was announcing new dates and then you had to move them like the second and the third and the fourth time. It started becoming ridiculous. So now we, we have plans that are ready, but we are waiting. The promoters, they know their local and their national governments, and they are the ones to decide when they want to go out with it. But let's just say that the minute the gates open, we will be the first one running out of them. Awesome. I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait to see uh, those new songs being performed. As I said, I saw, I saw you guys on the 25th anniversary tour um, together with Nay Oblibs Karis and Oceans of Slumber. And yeah, mm. that, that, that was a great concert. That was a great package. Oh, yes, that was, that was a fun tour, man. <laughs> um, ending this interview, or we, we always like to also ask our interview guests about their favorites, uh, current favorite songs, and this little uh, section we like to call What's in Your Walkman. So, may I ask you what you've been listening to lately and that we could add to the playlist some recommendation for your fans? Let me have a look here. I the last few things I listened to was um, uh, the Gateways to Annihilation by Morbid Angel. I just felt an, a very urgent need to hear that a few days back. Then we have I don't think you can put that on a playlist. Time Win the album Klaus Schulze because it's like all 29 minutes all the songs. <laughs> the new Napalm Death I've been listening to. Wow, I haven't listened to Prague this week. Mr. Bungle, does that qualify as Prague? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> this, the self-titled album. Uh, I just have to go back and listen to that every now and then because it's so refreshing. Any, any songs from the album? Any uh, particular song that stood out? Let me see. Um, yeah, let's go with Squeeze Me Macaroni. That's a good one. <laughs> Then we have, oh wow, I've been listening a lot to music lately. Tripticon, uh, the Milana Chasmat album. Yes. They're all good songs. You choose one. And then, I don't know, if, do you know Intronaut? Yes, I saw them live on a double headliner tour with uh, Shining from Norway. There you go. <laughs> The, the opening uh, song from the previous album called The Direct Direction of Last Things, the opening song they're called Fast Worms. That one I've been listening a lot to during the summer and, and now this autumn. And then, of course, the rest of the album too, but I just have to go back and listen and check out. It's such a refreshing start of an album. And very funny guys too. Yeah. Um... I have some recommendations as well, as always, in my Walkman uh, this week were uh, a 
uh, new album from uh, the <coughs> Resident, a, a band called the Res the Reticent, and uh, the album is called the Oubliette. It's uh, about Alzheimer's, a concept album. It's insane. This one guy doing everything except for the um, lead guitar solos, I think. And there's one song on the album called The Nightmare. And fittingly, it, it, it's a really, um, yeah, prog metal concept album. But this is, The Nightmare is kind of the most extreme song on the album. And uh, it's got amazing brass orchestrations on there. And it goes into Dimu Borgir territory there. And he manages to, <coughs> to, to pull off both the Shagrath and the ICS Vortex uh, uh, thing there vocally, which is really, really impressive. Um, well, what was the name of, name of the album again? Sorry. The, the Reticent, uh, The Oubliette. Yeah. The Oubliette. Okay. Yes. And cool. um, from your uh, tour mates from back then, Oceans of Slumber, the new album is so far my album of the year. Um, and uh, the second song on the album is called Pray for Fire. And it's really, really powerful. Um, so I want to add that to the playlist. And um, just uh, very um, shortly, uh, not just now, Zeeland Arda from Switzerland uh, oh dropped yeah. another new song called Tuskegee. And they have an EP out, Wake of a Nation, on 23rd of October, I just saw. Um, so I'm going to add awesome. that, that one as well, I think, that fits very well with the enslaved um with an enslaved playlist actually as i yeah. will of course add the new singles uh, the singles from the new album utgard and a best of enslaved um if you would be so kind and just write me your favorite uh, tracks from all of the enslaved albums in 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 the chat here that would be cool uh if you yes. if you are up for that um, I will do that. So it's an Ivar sure. e cu curated best of enslaved set list plus um, the uh, our what's in, in in your Walkman recommendations. Last uh, lastly, I woke up today and I had Pink Floyd in my mind and I want to uh. add a very odd one out and it's uh, um, from the '80s album. A momentary rap lapse of reason. It's, uh, mm. I think, uh, um, Terminal Frost. It was called. Um, it's, it's um, the one. Well, it's actually, I think, it's three different songs, like this vocoder style a cappella intro, and then an instrumental track, and then the same theme a cappella um, uh, style as an outro. So, so a triple. Um, if you want, I'm just pulling it up here. Um, yeah, a new machine part one, then terminal frost, and a new machine part two. That's gonna be the 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 end of the playlist. I just woke up with this uh, song in in mind. I actually gonna go now and he uh, and listen to it because yeah, it's cool. <laughs> I'll yeah. do that too. Okay, man. Great. Thank you Good. so much for being on the show. Thank you for taking time. All the best uh, with the release of Utgard. And hope to see you on the road very soon. Thank you so much, Ivar. Thanks, man. I'll be with you with that list shortly. Okay, cool. So for our listeners, um, as always, take care of yourselves, take care of your loved ones, and listen to great music. 
The Progcast is a production of Stuis Media and is presented by The Prog Space. It is produced by Randy M. Salo, Janine Stango-Lewis, Blake Lewis, Kai Metzner, and Dario Albrecht. Our theme music is by This Is Not An Elephant. <laughs>